when you invest in learning, your team can become unstoppable and learning can become not just this back end chore that you have to do. It can actually be a real growth engine for your business. That's Jack Foster, WorkRamps VP of Marketing. Naturally, being part of an LMS platform means she understands the value of investing in learning, as well as the growth it can spur. When it comes to growth, she's getting that done by building and investing in communities. With growth being a big focus for WorkRamp, they need to enable their team as well while building these communities. So ease of integration of the stack and making it easy on everybody is an important part of building their tech stack. A big concerted effort on our team is, why should we not do this in HubSpot? On this episode, we'll hear from Jack about how WorkRamp is utilizing community for growth and how they're keeping their stack clean and connected by maximizing the value of existing tools and running everything through RevOps. I'm Dan McGaw, CEO of the leading tech stack agency, McGaw.io. Each week, I get to speak to executives and find out the strategies and tactics they're using to drive revenue. And obviously, I'm a tech stack guy, so I'll dig into the stack that they're using to get it all done too. This week, though, I've got Jack Foster, the VP of Marketing at WorkRamp. And before we get started on it, let's take a second and hit that follow button so you can catch us each week. All right, let's jump into it. My name is Jack Foster. I am the VP of Marketing at WorkRamp currently. So that means I lead everything from brand to product marketing, demand generation, event marketing, um, kind of the whole shebang. So I'm interested, you know, I was doing some research on WorkRamp, right? And you have a pretty awesome career. Like you, this isn't the first like major impressive company you've been at, but WorkRamp has done some pretty cool stuff. I mean, you guys are doing around 35 million, what I have from Zoom Info and stuff like that. But what the hell does WorkRamp do? <laughs> yeah, it is an exciting category to be in. So uh, WorkRamp is an all-in-one learning platform. Uh, we're redefining the LMS and What that really means is we help power learning experiences across your organization. So for all the stakeholders that really need training and enablement, think about your employees, think about your customers, think about your partners, uh, we can, you know, train and enable through our platform. And uh, our goal is also to help tie those training initiatives to business outcomes, things like revenue, um, employee retention, customer growth. So that's WorkRamp in a nutshell. So when you say you focus on like helping them with attaching it back to the business outcomes, you're talking about revenue and retention. I guess like I'm curious, how does WorkRamp actually help them do that? Yeah, so we have uh, built-in reporting that helps, you know, teams look at the metrics they need um, to better understand engagement with content. Um, But we also have powerful integrations. Um, For example, our reporting and integration with Salesforce, uh, where you can, you know, again, do some of the tie back I was talking about, let's say you have new sales uh, reps that are ramping, you could take a look at, okay, you know, they've gone through this set of training, do they ramp faster? Do they get to quota faster? Um, You know, what's their total output, you can look at, did our customers take, uh, you know, this set of training courses through onboarding? Have they gone through ongoing customer education? And you can see, you know, are those customers more likely to renew? Are they growing? So both through our in-app reporting as well as uh, powerful Salesforce integration, we have the ability to showcase the impact that learning initiatives are having across the organization. 
I'm familiar with the LMS space, but I come from like the online education space. So like I remember 10 years ago when I was VP of growth at Code School, we built our own LMS because like LMS was not as big nearly back then. So WorkRamp is not in the same category as like a, a Teachable, right? Because Teachable is for like content creators and course creators. This is a lot more of an internally faced tool or a commercial tool that you use with your partners, it sounds like. Yeah, so think of us as powering learning experiences, right? We are the place where you would come to do everything from your onboarding to ongoing compliance trainings to if you wanted to do a leadership development course that can all be housed within WorkRamp. And, you know, this has really exploded. I think LMSs have really become front and center and and are kind of having a moment right now in the market. Because if you think about the shift in the market that's happened even with COVID, right? We're now all in remote workforce, right? We know that um, employee well-being is front and center. It's more important than ever that companies are investing in their employees. And how do you do that? You want to give career growth opportunities. You want to upskill. You want to reskill. You know, you want internal mobility. Again, going back to customers, how are you helping your customers not only be successful with your product, but actually do better in their jobs day to day, right? Go above and beyond just kind of how to use your product well to actually helping them accelerate their own careers and, and impact company growth. I think LMSs are really having a moment right now because it, it's become increasingly important to be investing and learning for all of those reasons I just mentioned. And so we are really thinking about kind of that end-to-end experience. When you think about the main goals that you have at WorkRamp, what are the goals that you're focused on today? We are out to make sure that every professional has access to the best learning opportunities there are, right? And that's that's a big mission. We want to be the best platform that helps power those experiences. Um, but when I look at uh, our current goals from a marketing perspective, and they actually really, they're company goals too, if you, if you really think about it. The three North Stars are one, we are out to go tell the story about why do you need an LMS? Why now? And really redefining what an LMS can be for an organization. Why is an LMS one of the most strategic investments your company can make? A second goal is that we are very much focused on building community and we have had really strong a really strong customer community since the inception honestly of workramp it's been something that um, the team has always invested in and we are doubling down on that customer community um, but we've also you know started to make investments and uh, are really thinking strategically about how we build community uh, really for the three audiences that we sell into you know, at large, right? So building community around L&D and people teams, around revenue enablement teams and uh, customer education, customer success leaders, right? So that's a big goal of ours is doubling down on community, building community. And then marketing, you know, I come up from a demand gen and marketing operations background. I'm a revenue marketer at heart. That's what we're gold on. We are looking at how we're impacting real business metrics. Of course, at the highest level, that means how we're impacting pipeline and close one business. There's a whole bunch of other stuff, of course, that comes underneath that. But at kind of the highest level, those are the three main strategic North Stars that my team is aligned to and will continue to be aligned to as we move into next year and beyond. I love it. Tell me more about this access to learning um, in regard to the LMS, right? So like this seems to be a really big initiative and a goal of yours. Help me better understand how you're putting that together. Well, I think if you think about learning in the past, maybe even just take a step back and think about your own kind of training experiences, right? Training, for me too, before 
you know, in many parts of my career, it's kind of like a chore, right? It's like, I have to go do this training. I have to click through some stuff. It's probably not that engaging. How is this really helping me in my career? But if you take a step back and you think about what everyone wants right now, they want opportunities to learn new skills. People want opportunities to go up level or go into a new area of business. People want to accelerate they want to get the best at what they're doing, right? And how do you do that? You have to do that through learning experiences and through training and through really great enablement. And so we firmly believe and see in a lot of the results for our customers that when you invest in learning, your team can become unstoppable and learning can become not just this backend, you know, chore that you have to do. It can actually be a real growth engine for your business. Mm. Why do you believe learning is the new growth engine there? I joined WorkRamp actually kind of during the great resignation. And I think it was like a very pointed time where employee well-being, right, has really become front and center. I think that really started to happen with COVID. It became less of an employer's market and more of an employee market. Everybody started realizing, oh my gosh, like I can kind of be... I can do a lot of different things. I don't need to be in one job at one company kind of for the rest of my career, right? I think too, some of the tightening and challenging markets we've experienced both through COVID and even in the current market right now, you see that really investing in customer experience has come front and center. You have to have an amazing product, but that almost is just like the the entry point. You need to also be providing incredible customer experiences, There's just so much choice out there. And so you have to kind of have these above and beyond experiences. If you're thinking about how do you invest in your people, how do you invest in your customers, you do that through giving them opportunities to grow. And so it might not be that it's a new growth engine. It, you know, I think it always actually existed. It just might be that people might actually think about learning in a different way than had previously kind of been thought about. It's not training. It's not, oh, just go kind of, do this one thing to get better at this one skill, this actually can be something that can literally, you know, impact your business results, can impact the individuals, can really align to some of these bigger goals that I think all companies are trying to align to today. Yeah. I mean, learning is definitely a huge part that's really going to be helpful. One, it's going to help you get adoption. It's going to help you get into the company as well. But I think a lot of companies forget about training in general, right? I mean, I I was just in a conversation with one of my uh, employees last week. He's like, this is the best training program I've ever had. Companies typically just throw you in. And I'm like, well, we actually have a training program. Like it's an eight-week program. So like you've got to make sure people know what they're doing. So, but I agree with you totally that if you get people spun up well, you can grow them. It's really going to make a difference. Can you explain to me a little bit about the three main groups of people that you're targeting and then as well as the community that you're trying to build around them? We have three main audiences that we sell into within an organization. We also sell, you know, across uh, organization. That's, of course, where our all-in-one platform value proposition comes in. But if you also just look at kind of the individual groups that will, will purchase one of the, you know, top use cases and growing use cases, of course, learning and development. And learning and development is actually very interesting. There's always, of course, been people and HR teams, right? That's not a new function within the organization. Um, but one thing that I definitely have seen happen, I, you know, come from a background in HR tech, HR has increasing, is increasingly having a more strategic seat at the table. And within HR, L&D, learning and development, organizational um, structure, that type of role is actually emerging. That's definitely, you know, one of our top use cases. And, and they care about 
employee onboarding. Then, of course, we have another emerging function, customer education. Again, you think about customer success. What over the last 10 or 15 years, you know, with Gainsight and other players, um, you know, coming onto the scene, it is so critical to the success of an organization. NRR is like, you know, a top metric investors are looking at. So, I mean, customer success is front and center. Within customer success, again, customer education is becoming an emerging function. That is another, you know, group that we're selling increasingly into. How can you invest in customers? How can you, you know, make your customers successful? And then sales enablement, revenue enablement, a key audience for us as well. Again, exploding function. Companies have realized that when they have an enablement function, they're more successful. Their reps feel more prepared and more confident to go out and sell. But when we're thinking about building community specifically, going back to your question, the first place that we have always been dedicated and committed to building community is actually within our customer base. Um, This has been very core to WorkRamp since the beginning. Um, And that, that looks like a couple of different things. One, that looks like every customer that joins gets invited into a VIP Slack community where they have access to connect with the WorkRamp team. So everything from, you know, having pretty um, seamless interactions with their client outcomes manager to more than that, right? This is where you have the opportunity to meet your peers. This is where you have the opportunity to network with other leaders in the space, to ask questions. Um, So that was, you know, one of the kind of initial investments in community. You know, for the last two or so years, the team also started a really exciting program where we actually do a product release event every quarter. And we invite all of our existing customers to come see the innovation that's coming out of our PDE team. And so they get a, you know, first look at what's going to be released that quarter. This not only, of course, gives us the opportunity to showcase, you know, again, the innovation, but they get to hear from our CEO every quarter. They get to, again, interact with each other and get to know, you know, other customers in our base. And so, you know, we continue and will continue to invest in in our customers. But we've also made a very big effort this year to really start to think about how we can help Again, what I would call just the the training enablement, learning community at large across all of those audiences. And so the kind of tip of the spear on this um, started with just thinking about really valuable content, right? What is a great way to start to build a relationship with prospects and just put value out there, put out great content? And so those are just some of the ways that we've really started to invest in I think a lot of, you know, I think B2B community is a, is a big buzzword in SaaS right now and in marketing. And probably, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of define it. I can tell you that when we're thinking about, you know, where we're making priorities, that is always like, hey, is this, is this going to help with building community? The other thing, actually, the other thing I'll say is that we're, we're also investing in existing communities and partnerships in, in that respect as well. And again, like more from how do we give value back? So like an example would be work that we're doing with ATD, which is a community focused on people in L&D, right? We do a lot of content with them um, and programming with them. Building and fostering community is something that WorkRamp has really dove headfirst into. And like Jack said, B2B communities are a hot item right now. 
there's a lot of value in having a loyal group of people who've been brought together about your service. And we see companies pulling these groups together and building communities on platforms like Slack, Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups. And over the past few years, there's been a huge rush in the community space with individual companies like The Revenue Collective, Bravado, and MarketingOps.com. With community being such a hot thing, it has even become its own business model. You have people like creators, influencers, thought leaders, and networkers who are ultimately building their own communities too. So much so that you have companies like Mighty Networks, a community platform that anybody can get started with to build their own community, whether you're B2B or B2C. We had a chance to talk with Jane Stetzik, the SVP of marketing at the community platform Mighty Networks. The best business to build in 2022 with economic uncertainty, people like looking at their discretionary spending is a community. Like it is not selling a physical product. If you are a creator or entrepreneur, community is absolutely the best business to build. It is more resilient. You can actually impact your members, like bring real results and transformation to them that they are going to keep paying for. It moves you from discretionary to essential spending. They are the best way for people to also navigate really like scary, uncertain times. In that episode with Jane, we learned about Mighty Networks and the tech stack they're using to get everything done right and well integrated so that way they can build a connected and user-friendly community experience. If you're interested in community, you should definitely go back and check out that interview after this one. But before you go there, hit that follow button and let's get back to Jack and learn more about how WorkRamp is using communities to build their business. What's the stack that this community is built on? You had mentioned Slack, but I'm curious. You've got all these different things. You acquire this other sales enablement squad, but I guess like what's the stack that's helping you manage this? And then what's the stack that's helping you measure the success that this is driving results? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty lightweight, to be honest. The kind of social interactions and kind of day-to-day communications actually for both the enablement squad and for our customer community both all happen in Slack. And that that's worked really well for us. Um, we're on a free version of Slack. Uh, you know, for our, our VIP community, and um, it works well. It's a it's a great place. You can add uh, lots of people to that. We have lots of different channels. People interact in that. Um, so that's where kind of the day to day interactions. But of course, when we're thinking about some of these other experiences that we're powering, we had been using Zoom for some of our event experiences. We've actually recently just brought on AirMeet, which is a event platform. And that's actually what our big WorkRamp Learn platform is going to be hosted on in a couple of weeks here. But that is now powering our event experiences. So when you think about, uh, you know, those product events that I talked about earlier or moving forward. AirMeet? AirMeet. Yeah. It's a very cool platform. They have some very cool like engagement and just unique uh, differentiators for like event experiences. So excited to see how that goes in a couple of weeks. And then honestly, from a measurement perspective, I mean, one of the ways that we would measure success of a product release event, for example, of course, you can look at, you know, volume of people that actually attend and sure we track that. But I think actually like a a smarter metric that we've rallied around for our product release events and customer events is like what percent of customers are showing up to that event to actually you know, learn about our products or engage with us. Um, because of course, what you want to see is percent at least stays the same or, or goes up of kind of engagement. Um, and we're just using good old fashioned Salesforce and kind of, you know, report it like, so it's not like it's some um, super complex or sophisticated thing, but it, it's working for us right now. And of course, we'll be thinking about how we can continue to evolve that, but that's kind of current state right now. 
HubSpot is powering all of our marketing automation from like our email nurtures. Um, and actually, more important, before I go through like the tactical thing, we're actually like a big concerted effort on our team is why should we not do this in HubSpot? Right. Like before we go purchase or like look at something, it's like, actually, can we do this in HubSpot? And so things even like we we've centralized our website chat through HubSpot. We've centralized like demo scheduling, calendar scheduling right off of our website. People land on a landing page, they want to schedule, you know, a meeting directly with our team, don't want to fill out a form. That's done through HubSpot. All of our forms, landing pages, um, done through HubSpot, email automation. And then our source of truth for our reporting sits in Salesforce. I think that's important for consistency across the go-to-market team, but we also have you know, additional layered reporting that we get out of HubSpot as well for more marketing insights and things like that. What were some of the big initiatives that you ran that drove big success for WorkRamp? Before I joined, the team was four people large. Uh, I was the fifth. And two of those people joined about one month before me. So a lot of the amazing marketing that was happening, there was, and there was amazing marketing happening um, from two of the, the first marketers here, I already had, had talked about. It was investing in cu- customer and investing in those products. And th- those have continued to be very successful for us. Um, this year, we have activated on demand gen. So, um, you know, I have an incredible head of demand gen that has come in. It's so much fun to partner with her. We love talking all things demand gen, but she's an expert in her own right. Her name is Michelle McKinley. And, you know, success meaning we've just started to literally turn on our channels and and start to optimize and, and scale out our, you know, paid channels. So that's definitely been a way that we've been able to build pipeline but I actually, I'll, I'll back up for a second because one of the things that we did, and I was very uh, a big advocate of this um, because I had seen this so many times in my career. Um, we actually, in the first quarter and a half that that I was at the company, I partnered with my head of product marketing to really nail our our strategic messaging and positioning, and work with our CEO to really get our you know corporate narrative down. And you know we are starting to activate on paid channels as this is happening, starting to see what's working. But it was really really important that we actually align around a core company narrative that everyone could be singing from the same song sheet from right. And so we did ever you know we did all the things we went and talked to customers. I personally talked to 10 customers and got insights from them. We also had, you know, more in-depth interviews, looked at what else is being said in the market, of course, looked at our differentiation points. And and we really landed our our messaging and positioning as one of the first kind of like stake in the ground. It goes back to that goal of redefining the LMS. Like you can't go redefine the LMS if everyone's saying different things or don't know what that even means, right? So that, that was a, when I say success, that was a big success in that we nailed that with a lot of customer insights and um, rolled that out across the organization. Well, I'm curious, I guess like you're talking about your demand gen and stuff like that. So you're running on various channels and stuff like that. I'm curious, like how are you, are you doing all of your measurement for your demand gen still just in HubSpot and Salesforce? What are the tools or systems that you're using to make sure that that program is running and hitting those KPIs? I mean, on the kind of day-to-day, of course, we're working with an agency, right? And so like optimizing in platform, like you know, looking at how our campaigns are doing and platforming Google and then LinkedIn. Those are some of the main areas that we're spending from a digital perspective. So that's, of course, happening. But yes, we are using distribution reporting, Dan, probably for the rest of our lives, right? Well, it's almost dead. It's actually, we've got like another 18 months and I'm going to kill it because uh, incrementality is now here and everybody's talking about incrementality. That's the new frontier. So hopefully it will die, but yeah, yeah we'll see what happens though. 
I say that though, because we are looking at channel by channel performance. So we will look at, you know, ROAS or ROI on how much we spend on a channel and then how much we close. But um, I actually like to look at a couple of other, I, I take that as an input. I don't take that as the end all be all. Um, one of the things we measure is actually like, okay, high intent channels, right? So if you're looking at what is your contribution from organic, direct, paid search, you might even include link. I would argue LinkedIn is not necessarily high intent channel, but maybe you spend money on it. So you want to include it in that. We'll actually look at, you know, overall, how much pipeline has come from these sources, how much revenue has come from these sources and how much have we spent on those channels. And of course, we'll look at the individual channel mix, but I think it's actually like more telling to see if that whole bucket is going up, right? Because we know these things all work in in partnership. Nothing is really like a in a silo. And then we do have some more, actually out of HubSpot, we do use kind of more general influence reporting. So we only pass demo requests basically to our SDR team. And so, you know, they're working on the highest intent hand raisers that are out there that want to have conversation with us. I'll caveat, we sometimes pass event leads that have, you know, good ICP, but we actually put that through our outbound motion. But for kind of our inbound motion, it's all, you know, demo requests. And so, of course, you know, not everybody comes to an event and then immediately asks for a demo request the next day. So we'll also look at what was kind of the first touch and how is that program performing over time? What if, Even if it wasn't the last touch to get to a demo request, you know, if X amount of people attended this trade show we invested in a year ago, what's kind of happened with those accounts over time. And then we'll even look at um, those activities on current customers and we can see impact on renewal and upsell as well. What are some of your favorite tools in the stack? Are trying to centralize on HubSpot. So I got to give HubSpot a shout out. Um, hoping I love AirMeet after this big event. That will be exciting. There's some really exciting stuff that is happening on the SDR side. And uh, SDRs, you know, roll up actually actually through my organization um, right now, which is, which is cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's great. It's a lot of fun. I actually, right before this, I spend every Wednesday morning, 30 minutes listening to Gong calls. Great way to stay close to customers. But Gong... Uh, both for sales and marketing, huge tool, probably one of my favorites. We have outreach that we're using for, you know, our outbound motion and personalization uh, into outbound accounts and follow up actually on inbound as well. Um, my head of revenue operations, Mikey Powell, would be able to speak a little bit more uh, in depth about this. But at the highest level, it's very cool. You can actually, you know, see um, when someone has, for example, changed jobs and into a new role and that, you know, will trigger an insight that it might be a good time to reach out to a current advocate within your organization. They can do other cool things too. Like, you know, if there's people that attend a meeting with your BDR or AE team, they might add other people from the organization that you don't actually, you know, that user gems can help pull that into your um, Salesforce, so you have you know contact creation off of that. So there, there's some really cool stuff happening on the SDR side and sales side with user gems. Of course, we use Zoom Info for they do like everything now. Zoom Info has like 50 products. I know they do do everything now. Big acquisition company, huh? They're uh, they they're taking over the world for sure. But um, yeah, that's definitely in our tech stack as well. So for our size and maturity, I think we have a you know we're not trying to go purchase everything under the sun. I think. We have to think about our strategy and before we go out and purchase the technology, like, is this going to align? But I, I think we have a nice a nice tech stock that we're thinking about. And the other thing I'll say is, is we actually centralize all of our operations under 
one team, revenue operations. And um, that also really helps us think through, you know, not purchasing a bunch of different products, you know, for maybe the same thing, which can happen when you have siloed operations teams. They're really responsible for looking at our entire ecosystem and data flows and, you know, how we're reporting consistently. And so I've loved this model um, for, again, having more of a holistic look across our entire go-to-market team. Yeah, having revenue ops can make a big difference in an organization. It really helps kind of streamline the whole process because it can definitely get really clunky and hard to be able to deal with. You know, you were talking about the community stuff earlier, uh, which was super, super interesting. I mean, it seems like a big driver for the business. So definitely seems like something that's been really helpful. I guess like if you had any recommendations for people out there that were building their community or even trying to understand how to build their stack around their community, any recommendations you give other people that you maybe have learned along the way? It's probably advice that applies to en- when you're when you're investing in anything, like what are your goals and how does it align to your bigger strategic goals, right? And is that aligned at the company level? Like I would say our whole organization work ramp is invested in building community. And of course, marketing plays a very big part of that. But again, going back to like our Slack community, like our product managers are in there, right? Interacting with customers. Our client outcomes manager team, the customer success team is in there. Like this isn't like a marketing community. This is like a company-wide effort to go in and you know interact with customers. So I think you really have to understand, is there buy-in? What are you trying to do with it? One of the things that I've done a lot of internal education around um, and just expectation setting, which is, you know, of course, a huge part of being the head of marketing is like, we might not see direct pipeline from building and investing in community. Like that's why we have to look at is pipeline growing across all of our high intent channels. That's why we have to look at influence reporting because we might be investing a lot in LinkedIn and not be able to see that that has a direct attribution to pipeline. But when you start talking to people and ask them, how'd you hear about us? And they say, oh, well, I actually heard about you in the enablement squad, or actually I heard about you because I saw a post on LinkedIn. Then you're like, oh yeah, of course we're investing here. Right. So I think there's expectation setting. What are your goals? Those are definitely some of the things that I'm thinking about. And then, you know, again, with any tech purchase, you have to have that strategy first. Don't go just purchase, you know, something because it's the cool thing to do. I actually have a good story around a learning that I, I have, not necessarily related to community, but um, if you want to hear a mishap, I'm happy to share. I would love to hear a mishap. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I know that your philosophy is around, you know, setting strategy first before you go purchase tech. And it's super smart. Back when ABM was first making its comeback on the scene, I don't know how many years ago is the seven years. And I have to tell you, Dan, in my heart of hearts, I really felt like I was doing the right thing in this process. And I thought, okay, ABM is the cool new marketing thing. We have to do ABM for our organization. And that was it. That was my strategy. What did I not do in this? didn't align with sales, didn't talk about how we're going to measure it. If you actually even think about where ABM's platform kind of started, we were really focused on trying to reach more like mid-market. And ABM platforms back in the day were like very much, you know, their reach was more into enterprise, right? But I was convinced that like we had to do ABM because this is what marketers were doing. And so we went and we, thank goodness, purchased a pilot with an ABM platform and I was so excited, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be like transformational for our business. And it it was fell completely flat because there was none of this other stuff had been worked out. And so it was just this kind of like 
I learned a little bit the hard way in this one, but it was a little bit of like, oh, there's this cool new concept or product and we should be doing that because that's what everybody else is talking about. Let's go purchase platform. But it like totally didn't align with anything else that really the company was working toward. And so I will definitely never make that mistake again. But there's a there's a nice uh, uh-oh moment from my career. <laughs> A lot of people forget about alignment and a lot of people forget about uh, the strategy. It happens all the time. I mean, CDPs are new and people are buying them left and right. And then I'm like, what did you buy it for? They're like, single view of the customer. It's like, okay, cool. What are you going to do with it? I don't really know. So I agree with you. Uh, You have to have sales aligned, especially with ABM. And I think ABM has this like constant resurgence. It's like every seven years, it like makes a big comeback and then it kind of fades off and then it comes back again. So don't worry, you're not alone in that one. ABM is hot right now, but I think it's kind of slowing down a little bit. So we'll see kind of what happens, especially with the great resignation. I think ABM really struggled because like everybody changed jobs. So it was really hard to kind of manage an account sometimes in there. So, but this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time to be able to do the conversation with me. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, this has been great to learn about the community you're building and a lot of the things that you're building at WorkRamp. And great luck to all the things that you're doing with this upcoming event and using Airmeet. So thanks for being able to join me today. Thank you, Dan. Really happy to be here. Appreciate you having me. Again, that was Jack Foster, VP of Marketing at WorkRamp. We're super grateful to have her on. We got a lot of really good insights into the community side of things and the way that they're running enablement. Let's run through some of the main takeaways though. First, we covered the value of training and enablement across a business. Investing in learning initiatives will result in direct business outcomes like increasing revenue, employee retention, and even customer growth. If you're not helping your employees and customers grow, then you're not really gonna grow either. Second, community is huge for WorkRamp. They've decided on three main groups to target and then working to build community tailored around those groups. As we've learned in our previous conversation with Jane Stetzik, VP of Marketing at Mighty Networks, communities are going to be a vital part of staying resilient in hard times. So it's a really great strategy to build strong and loyal community and as well as strong and loyal customers. And third, Jack talked about how WorkRamp keeps their stack central and simple by running everything through RevOps and trying to keep everything on HubSpot. And third, Jack talked about how WorkRamp keeps their stack central and simple by running everything through RevOps and trying to keep everything on HubSpot. That's all I've got for this episode, though. Thanks for coming back every single week and listening to us and allowing us to be a part of your day. We'd also appreciate if you gave us a rating and review. And if you're really keen to give us feedback, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you directly. Thanks again. This is Dan with The Stack and I'll catch you next week.